afternoon. You are listening to Don Land Signals on WERU-FM. Don Signals is a monthly talk show where we hold space for critical conversations of truth, healing, and change here in the Don Land. We explore topics such as restorative justice, restorative practices, decolonization, cultural revival, and more. Our guests are people involved in aspects of truth, healing, and change work. This program is offered in an effort to share, inspire, and inform. Dawn Land Signals is a collaboration of Wabanaki Reach and WERU-FM. I am your co-host, Maria Gerard. And I am your co-host, Esther Ann. This month, October, marks 41 years since President Jimmy Carter signed the Maine Indian Claim Settlement Act into law. The Maine Indian Claim Settlement Act of 1980 was supposed to bring to a close a tumultuous decade in Maine history where Mainers feared for their property, Maine government vied to protect their interests, and tribal citizens suffered overt racial hostilities across Maine and severe factionalism within their own communities as a result of enormous pressure being exerted upon them. As it turned out, the Settlement Act really settled very little. Its repercussions are still felt today in numerous misunderstandings of interpretation, while the intent of the main Indian land claims is in danger of becoming lost to history. Today, we are talking about Wabanaki Reach's new truth-telling initiative, Beyond the Claims, Stories from the Land and the Heart. But before we welcome our special guests, we first want to start with appreciating the land. Thank you, Esther. Let's just take a moment to acknowledge the land beneath our feet, Wabanaki, the land of the first light, the dawn land, land that has known Wabanaki ancestors, the tallest trees and the oldest rivers, land that has known peace and conflict, land that has nourished us and sustained us since time immemorial. We acknowledge the indigenous peoples of this land, Wabanaki, the Passamaquoddy, Penobscot, Mi'kmaq, Maliseet, and Abenaki, and we give thanks to your stewardship and resilience. Nadal Nabem Nawak, on my relations. We are broadcasting from WERU Studio in Blue Hill, Alamusic, Wabanaki. Thank you, Maria. I always appreciate that land acknowledgement and land appreciation. So I'm excited to welcome to our show today two dynamic women, uh, Kate Russell, who is the project coordinator for Wabanaki Reach, coordinating this uh, truth-telling, storytelling project, and Stephanie Bailey, Passamaquoddy, uh, Beskinogadi from Madokmigook, and she's a story collector for this project. Um, so there's, we always run out of time. We always think we need a two-hour show. Um, we have a lot to talk about, so we'll just get right into it. So, Kate, tell us um, about, I want you to start and tell us about this Wabanaki Reaches Truth Telling Project, Beyond the Claims, Stories from the Land and the Heart. What is it and what sort of groundwork has been laid thus far? Yeah, so 
Beyond the Claims, Stories from the Land and the Heart is Wabanaki Reach's newest truth-telling initiative, kind of on the heels of the TRC. Um, and its hope is to get at the heart of the land, its people, and their stories. Um, this truth-telling initiative centers around the long and complicated history of the Maine Indian land claims, which you just spoke about. Uh, and in particular, the Maine Indian Claims Settlement Act of 1980, which still deeply impacts people in Wabanaki and Maine communities today. Um, at the start of this project, and we're just beginning uh, this October, we'll be gathering personal oral histories from folks, you know, across a, a full spectrum of experiences. And through these oral histories and sitting with people and um, learning about their experiences and giving them space to share their stories, um, we're hoping to kind of create a toolkit of educational resources, but ultimately to demystify the legislation because um, it can be really confusing and, and complicated um, and also to humanize those who've been affected by the legislation to amplify their voices and especially to preserve their stories for cultural continuity. Um, but ultimately the work of REACH is to create space for healing to happen. Um, and this project will be guided by Wabanaki traditions and ways of being and knowing. That's wonderful. So you you are coordinating the project, and uh, I mentioned that Stephanie was a story collector. So um, <clears throat> before we have Stephanie speak, do you want to kind of explain what the, the structure is? Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, we're gathering personal oral histories, and that's, you know, across various communities. And so the first thing we needed to do was really... Um, kind of get a team together of folks who would be able to venture out into communities and people's homes and sit with them and learn how to take a personal oral history and conduct um, interviews and record them and ultimately preserve them so that we can create an archive. And Stephanie Bailey is one of our first story collectors that we brought on board for this project. Although I'm sure Stephanie can speak to her experience with REACH um, before this initiative, she was deeply involved with the, T the TRC where she gathered statements, but we're thrilled to have Stephanie be a part of this project. I was so happy that to hear that too. I think um, when I think of a story collector and, and uh, somebody with a lot of passion and integrity, Stephanie comes to the top of my list and I'm so pleased that she's involved in this project. I know she's a She's a um, in high demand and a really busy woman, so we're we're real grateful that that she's accepted uh, this offer to be with us. Um, Steph, do you wanna you wanna share? Yep, I um, thank you for having me on, and I um, I, I agreed to come on as a story collector, even though I am busy. You're right, I. I do a lot in my day and I was worried that I, I even said, I'm like, I don't know how much I can give because um, <clears throat> family is very important to me and my family does need me. Um, and on top of that, with the remote learning, like kids going in and out of that, that can be pressing. So, um, <clears throat> but knowing that I'm able to get things done and work them into my schedule that helps out a lot like I don't have to be at an eight o'clock thing for you know whatever just our random things but anyway I um 
I look forward to the work. I mean, I like it was mentioned, I had worked with the TRC before <clears throat> for the child welfare portion um, of storytelling. And um, that was really intense. It was um, a good learning experience for me because I didn't really, I had dealt, I was dealing with child welfare and I also um, knew of some people, but I didn't know the depth. So it helped me to really learn a lot and understand a lot about my people more and about my community, which I really, really appreciated because I, I didn't know like, you, we are, we're all in our own little bubbles, I guess, you know, in our worlds and we see our, our perceptions. And so it really just opened up huge things for me, for our people, a, a deeper love for our people, a deeper understanding. And so, um, the 1980 land act had come up, of course, I know during when I had been sharing, um, and I guess other people as well. And so, I know you had said, Esther, at one point, like, um, maybe we should do something on a 1980 Land Act. And I thought that would that would really be something. I know that's something that really tugged at me. And I hope maybe one day we could do this because to me, it was such a traumatic experience. It was there was so much hub and bub in the community. And and then. <clears throat> so much changed after. I mean, there was so much hurt and, uh, you know, people just fighting and like it really left a, a massive storm to, from my perspective. So for me, I thought, you know, I was just a young girl. I was like, what was I? I was seven, six, seven years old. And, um, you know, seeing how, what it, how it affected my family, my immediate family at home, well, my extended family, I should say, because for Passamaquoddy, we always grew with our extended families. Um, the nuclear family is not so much our way. And so at that time, I was living with my grandparents and everybody as well. And it really, really it hit us in a negative way. And so I'm still traumatized by it. And I don't know other people's perspectives. I only know my perspective. And I mean, even my my father, who was more, you know, I was affected because of how it affected him and my mother, of course. But um, I'd like to, I, I mean, I, I, I'm hoping that I can talk to my father into giving his perspective. And I don't know if he will, because he's he's grown past this, but I'm going to work on it. Cause I would love like him and I've never even sat and spoken about this. Like it, there's so much mystery to it. And I, I need to heal from some aspects. And I really believe this is going to help me to heal in a bigger way because I've been working on indigenizing my mind again more. And in that work, you, uh, I have like traumas that come up, you know, I, it's, it's so weird, even though I didn't live through what my grandmother did, like my mother telling me stories of her past and then understanding them now, like it just has a different impact. And so I think this is going to be good for everybody to, to heal in some way, but also I believe it's going to it's it's going to be able to facilitate healing that we haven't seen before. I, I think it's going to help us to open up ways to help newer generations 
to learn and understand this was a major big thing that happened to our people and they're still suffering it. I mean, just the other day I was visiting somebody who's hurting and is just trying to get through life. And, you know, the 1980 Land Act come up then. And I was like, it's so weird you bring this up because there's going to be talks in our communities about this. And, you know, I'd be happy to talk with you again about this then. So, you know, it's still being brought up in, in random discussions, you know, people hurting and you visit to just talk to find out, you know, what they miss and what's different in the 1980 Land Act changed so many things, so many things, the way we use our language, everything. So it's it's something I'm really looking forward to. I'm very passionate about this discussion and learning from it and being a part of a great team. Like I'm so excited to be working with the people that I've already been in discussions with. It's just, it's nice to feel like I can contribute and, you know, and, and I, and I know I definitely will find value in everything that my, you know, my colleagues here do and, and offer. So thanks for having me. I appreciate it so much. Absolutely, Stephanie. This is Maria. And I just wanted to echo, you know, what Esther said um, before you spoke and how much we appreciate your, your passion and your commitment. And there was one thing that uh, you said, well, there's many things that you said that stood out for me. But um, when you were talking about your experiences with the TRC, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, and all the learning that took place during that time and how that gave you a deeper love and understanding of the people and knowing, you know, what we've endured together and, you know, and speaking about trauma, that was one of the things that I think really stood out for us that we were learning was how trauma is passed down. You know, the intergenerational, the historic trauma gets passed down, um, you know, through, through our parents, through our grandparents. And, and so it's, it's a real thing, that's for sure. So, um, Oh, sorry, Maria. I was going to say, I also, no, um, go ahead. what I really appreciate about Wabanaki Reach's approach to, you know, truth, healing and change is that acknowledgement of that trauma that's passed down. But in, in the, the truth, the, in the healing work, we get to see and witness and reclaim all the healing that we've been able to pass down through the generations, which sometimes gets overshadowed <clears throat> excuse me overshadowed by by all the trauma but we are still here um despite you know hundreds of years of uh strategies to to eradicate us from this planet we're still here and we still know who we are and um still have our ways so i i, I really appreciate that and <clears throat> thinking about the claim settlement act i I echo what Stephanie said. I, I have my perspective. I was 12 years old and um, really influenced by what was happening in my household and how my parents felt about it. And it was very chaotic. I remember it being highly charged. And I remember feeling um, kind of afraid sometimes uh, about what was happening and in the future. And just it was so uncertain. And when when Stephanie says things have changed a lot, it's it, it, she's not understating that at all. Things are so different in so many ways. Um, 
I think I shared with Maria before that the first time I got to vote in Zabayek, where I'm from, I was 18, it was 1986, and there was a question on the ballot uh, whether or not we should deny voting rights to people who didn't live on the reservation. And I voted yes to take away my own vote, to, my own right to vote, which I didn't, I was 18, I didn't understand. Um, I didn't <clears throat> realize the ramifications of that, didn't really understand, um, recognize how important voting is to citizenship. So that has been a, uh, a real, that was a real hurtful piece of um, legislation or whatever that passed in our tribal communities and, and has led to that, um, a, a lot of splits. So there, there is, I, I think it's just wonderful that we can talk about all these issues through this project because that is the common denominator is the Claim Settlement Act, how it changed people's mm -hmm. perspectives, how it created, it allayed some fears and created more fears. And um, I'm really happy that we're finally able to, to talk about it. As am I. You are listening to Dawn Land Signals on WERU-FM. I am your co-host, Maria Gerard, along with co-host, Esther Ann. Dawn Land Signals is a monthly talk show where we hold space for critical conversations of truth, healing, and change. Today, we are talking about Beyond the Claims, a Wabanaki Reach truth-telling project with Kate Russell of Wabanaki Reach and Stephanie Bailey of the Passamaquoddy Tribe at Medoc-Migook. Um, so I love hearing all these, um, memories of, um, that time. And, and I'm always struck when people are talking about being very young children during that time and not really knowing what was going on, but still being able to sense, um, the tension in the communities. That seems to be a really, um, a really common topic, um, both of our guests are, are coming to the project from very different places. And um, I'm curious, Kate, I'd like to uh, invite you back into the conversation. Uh, what has the learning curve been like for you around this topic area? Yeah, that's a great question, Maria. I'm glad you asked it. It makes me smile because <laughs> um, learning curve, I feel like I've been working with REACH and, you know, trying to get this project going for the past few months. And what I'm really confronted with is just how much I don't know, <laughs> how much um, I haven't learned. And that is a huge learning in and of itself. Um, and then also, <laughs> I feel like I'm just beginning to unlearn a lot so that I can, um, you know, endeavor to coordinate this project um, with some grace because uh, I am a white person and I'm being, you know, what's being illuminated in me as I've begun this work are all the patterns and the programming of white supremacy culture that, um, is so pervasive and insidious to the point where you, it's kind of stealth, you know, uh, I've taken for granted how much it's, it's a part of my ways of being and knowing. And so just beginning to kind of unlearn um, a lot of that so that I can 
do, you know, I want to say do my best, but even that is a kind of um, perfectionism and a piece of um, that culture, but just try to um, listen, learn as much as I can. Uh, And there's so much just understanding the land claims to begin with is um, it's a lot. So taking my time with that and listening um, and just trying to absorb as much as I can. Um, But yeah, the learning curve, I don't know if that answers your question. (laughs) Oh, yes, absolutely. And um, I, I was thinking as you were reflecting that I think one of the one of the benefits of having you in the position as the project coordinator and your learning curve also helps us to know what other people don't know about the land claims. And so, you know, the main Indian land claims is something in our tribal communities that, you know, most people have some knowledge of if if only through their personal experiences and in in witnessing it or witnessing community actions or things, but um, it helps us to know what other people need to know. So uh, it might be common knowledge for us or somewhat common knowledge for us, um, but a lot of people just have no idea. And what's amazing, like I'm a historian, so I always look at things through this lens of a historian is when I think about the land claims, I think, this was like such a tumultuous decade in Maine history, yet we don't know anything about it. We're not taught about it in schools. Like I went through the University of Maine uh, history program. They never once talked about, even in a Maine history class, they never once talked about the Maine Indian land claims. And, um, you know, I, I really appreciate this project bringing to light um, all the intricacies and all the complexities of, of what this land claims was all about. So your, your learning path is also helping us to know what the other people need to know about this, that we've maybe taken for granted. But then again, in our tribal communities, there's a lot of people that will admittedly say that they don't really know much about it either. And so, you know, that's a good question. Like why, why don't people know about this? I agree, Maria. I think people know like cursory. They think, well, that was this land deal. And we, you know, that's why we get per capita checks, right? <laughs> or used to. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but I agree. I, I, re- I think my hope for this project is that not only will people learn about the Claim Settlement Act, but they'll also be able to connect the dots between the Claim Settlement Act and things that are happening now, things that have happened throughout history um, since this past 41 years and really start to kind of close that, you know, bring it back full circle so we can, like Stephanie said, have that understanding and empathy and, and cultivate that love for our people. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really hopeful for that. I know I also want to add that I know like, for me, because, you know, our the our people, Wabanaki people, <clears throat> I think it's going to help us. But I also uh, I'm glad that 
non-tribal people in the state as well are going to learn because I get tired of people coming at me saying, well, you guys get free education and you get free this and you get free that and you get money. Like, oh my God, I'm not, I don't got the patience to teach everybody about what they don't know. And we're just like, um, um, you guys were saying it's not taught in the school. So these people don't know. And you've got all these people coming at our people so hard. And I think to myself, like here, I'm, I'm like going to college. I'm in academia and these people are coming at me that are also in college. So can you imagine somebody that's not even in school and when they go out and see somebody in the world or on Facebook or wherever, and they're attacking just one of our regular tribal members, you know, also I can, it's just so much hate and discontent over the unknown of what this has caused and what our people have had to um, sacrifice just to continue to live. That's how I see it. This was just all done in duress. We just needed to live or trying to live because things were, were really getting hard. Yeah, I, and I have seen the fear through because the, the legislature and the tribes have been working together the past two years, trying few years, trying to um, come to some agreement and make changes to the uh, Maine Implementing Act, which is the the structural part of the Claim Settlement Act. And the fear, you know, in some of these public hearings that I, I watched over Zoom, um, well, you can talk about supposedly well-educated people and they have the law in front of them and you have these legislatures and the tribes going through the, you know, minute details of this law and they still coming back with, but the Indians are going to take my, away my right to fill in the blank, you know, that this, and it's not, it's not rational. It's just so fear-based and, and how to get, you know, that's why I'm so appreciative of this project because that legislative process didn't involve all the people. Um, and I'm hoping that this, project really gets to the people and, and uh, you know, the ones that are dealing with it now. And yeah. I think one of the things I'm appreciating about this project and um, Kate described it as, you know, demystifying the land claims and Esther in the introduction to the topic, you know, main government abide to protect their interests. And you know, what really struck me in the past couple years as I was witnessing um, the legislature doing its work, so with this um, tribal state task force and trying to bring about changes to the land claims. And, you know, this isn't the first time that they've had a, a task force of, of this sort or a work group of this sort, and it always ends up in the same place with nothing, <laughs> you know, and it was almost like you could predict it again, but there's like a lopsided um, power. Um, I don't know what you call it. There's a power differential and you can see it so plainly. And it's like the tribes come to the table in good faith. And then it's like, well, what about this? And what about that? And, you know, you guys are going to build a casino. And, you know, every time I hear that and I hear it often, you know, everyone's worried about the tribes building a casino. Like that's the most important thing on earth. And it's so frustrating because when we're talking about like real impacts in our community and, you know, that level of frustration and that level of, um, uh, misunderstanding and, and hatred really 
sometimes towards tribal people, you know, like who cares about the darn casino? Um, but that, you know, we're never going to get anywhere when we're walking in fear together and we're worried about what somebody might get or worried about what somebody might have to give up. Very frustrating. And so I, I like that this project is involving voices from, you know, a wide spectrum of people so that we can hear their experiences because after listening to the past couple of years and the tribal state work group and it falling flat, you know, I started to, to think to myself, you know, maybe the change doesn't rest in the legislature, you know, maybe the power is with the people and that's who we need to be talking with and that's who we need to be moving. Um, so it, you know, it will remain to be seen, but those are just my thoughts around it. I was just um, thinking about what you and Esther are both saying about um, fear and, you know, the media around the time of the land claims and the duress, um, the power of story that sometimes a dominant narrative or a story can be so powerful um, and so widespread and so loud that it can create something like fear um, that can ultimately get in the way of um, healing Mm -hmm. or progress. Um, And that's something that I love about this project that I think, I think my hope is that, um, you know, going into people's homes and sitting with them and not really having an agenda beyond connecting with their experience and their story that we can um, kind of balance the scale a little bit in terms of the stories that everyone knows and then balance them with these um, really personal human um, heart experiences, uh, if that makes sense. You know, I, I, was, struck by, uh, I was struck by Stephanie talking about um, her dad and I just, I had, this thought, um, I remember there's a program called StoryCorps where they get two people to have a conversation. And I, I wonder about those kind of things happening with this project that that generational, you know, um, my parents, neither of my parents are here anymore, but I, I never really did talk to them about the claim settlement. You know, I wish I did. I wish I, you know, said, well, what was happening then? You know, what, what was really going on and what were you thinking? And I, I think that would bring some I, not only two generations, but maybe three, you know, coming together and, and just talking about what it was like. I to, I think that would bring about some understanding and, and some more healing between in, in families, too, not just in our communities, but in our families. Yeah, and on absolutely. the other side, there's non-Native people, you know, like when... When I, I talked to uh, people, they said, well, when I was at high school, you know, kids were coming in saying that they would arm themselves so the Indians couldn't get their land. I mean, these, the, the, this man said, this was my classmate, you know, saying he was going to take up arms against me. And it would be interesting to hear what that, those generations of people would say to each other and how, how they could heal and maybe learn. Sorry for the pause. I was just... <laughs> While we were having the conversation about the power of stories, I was just remembering this um, quote, and I have it up in my office. I zipped up my office to get it. <laughs> and it's from the 
<laughs> and I'm all out of breath from running up the stairs. <laughs> from the TRC work, and it was TRC Commissioner Sandy Whitehawk. And she said, there's so much power, beauty, and strength in our stories. That will be the overreach and strength of this. And I, you know, I just can't help but think that, you know, just in the act of collecting the stories in of itself, you know, there's so much power in that. And, you know, talking to people about the upcoming project and hearing how elders are really enthusiastically embracing this opportunity to tell their stories and to be heard and and to feel validated in what they have to say about that um, really difficult period of time. So this um, project with Wabanaki Reach, um, it's a multi-year project, um, similar to how the TRC was a multi-year project. Um, and Kate, you had talked a little bit about this already. You know, what what is it that is, um, you know, what are we hoping to accomplish with this project? And either Kate or Stephanie, whoever wants to jump in, your thoughts around that. Yeah, Maria, and just to kind of echo what you were just saying about um you know, the power of story and, and the act of collecting and gathering these stories. Um, you know, it's easy as you're coordinating a project to kind of get caught up in, you know, the timeline, getting all your ducks in a row and the deliverables. Um, and sometimes I think it's nice to be reminded that even though, you know, once we gather these stories, we hope to create an archive of oral histories and maybe a podcast series or a short film documenting the process, but that ultimately the work lies in the things that maybe no one will see. They might read the transcripts or listen to the audio, but that so much of the work, um, you know, the work that Stephanie will, will be doing um, is the is the hope of the project to create space for truth telling and healing to occur? Um, so yes, I think I just rattled off a few of the things that we hope to accomplish with this project. Um, but ultimately, I think the hope is to, you know, conduct and record and preserve these oral histories and people's stories and offer them you know, time and space to connect with their experience and to share it with someone. And ultimately that can be a healing act. I think if it's done with, with, with care and thoughtful pace, um, but that we can all deepen our understanding of the historical context of the Maine Indian Claims Settlement Act uh, and when it was created and what happened after, um, what was going on before as well. Um, and maybe, and Maria, you can, you can speak to this more than I can, but, um, maybe to create an opportunity for change in relationships. I know you've spoken about this, you know, between the tribes and the state or within tribal communities and among Wabanaki and Maine people. Stephanie, um, thinking about your past role with the truth commission process and, um, 
it's a, this is a little bit different, huh? So what are your thoughts about the, the process and, and, you know, what you're hoping will come out of all of this project? Um, so personally, um, I am excited because I know as a person in the world, I have work to do on me, my own healing, but, um, I also, I need to understand and, um, most important though, for me is the collective. I really believe that this kind of, um, work can help with healing. I know Kate was just asking Mariah about, you know, about, about that. I, I, I don't know how she phrased it, but uh, that's just, that's just why I am so passionate about wanting to do this work and, and go and meet with people and talk with them because I, I feel like we need to heal. Uh, there's a greater healing that needs to happen with all nations. You know, I don't know if anybody's heard about the prophetic rainbow nation and where we can all be one and we work collectively on things. But until we get to, we we can't get to that point until indigenous voices are heard and they they understand where we're at. We need to heal and we need to be heard. So I feel like once we we start speaking about this great change it happened because this was a really big change for us and we're you know one of the first tribes that got first introduction you know so all the other western tribes i've been told when i've gone to you said it before you know you guys are the reason we're here you guys are the reason they made it this far like you should have just killed them a long time ago you know so it's like i feel like it's now our time to um start a greater healing you know uh, uh, you know with the trc when we was talking about our children and truth telling you know they say that the healing wave's going to begin in the east and i believe it is because that's the first place we had contact was in this area so we are most you know we i shouldn't say most but we are um, you know, have been working for a while to understand and learn their ways and their language and, uh, you know, to communicate. And and so I just saw this funny joke. I just got to say, but, you know, somebody was like, oh, uh, you know, said to an Inuit person, oh, I, I've been studying your people. And the Inuit woman was like, oh, I've been studying your people, too. And they're like, what? <laughs> you know, so I kind of feel like that's mm. where kind of what I've been doing since I've been re-indigenizing my mind, I've been really paying attention to my world more around me and trying to understand what's happened since the 1980 Land Act. So I'm going to tell you, there's things that happened up until the 1980 Land Act that also played a big part in how things played out and how our people had fear. So those are real things that I really want to hear. Like, I, I mean, I can give you an example. Um, so our people, you know, have always been hunter gatherers and, you know, one, my husband's grandfather was, um, arrested for hunt for killing a moose. He tried to hide killing this moose and had, uh, you know, some of our people in the community, they, you know, had to bring it across the water and everything. And they were terrified. Well, the game wardens found him on the water, the main game wardens, and they arrested him and threw him in jail. Because we had to, you know, we couldn't just 
eat our food no more from the land. They were like, you take your land from the, your food from the Indian agent and you eat it. You, you can't hunt and gather no more or you're going to be thrown in jail. So like, there's a lot of things that were happening to our people that had, we, we had to go have these discussions with the state. We had to do something because we were ending up criminals, you know, just for trying to survive. So it's like, I, 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 I want these these stories to be told. I want people that are non-Indigenous people to understand this isn't hundreds of years ago things have been happening. My mother grew up on a dirt floor eating muskrat every day. Like she said, she was so tired of eating muskrat because she had to eat it every single day as a little girl. So, I mean, it's like these stories people need to hear. This isn't 400 years ago for our people. The 1980 Land, Cla- uh, in 1980 Land Act really helped just like twist, twist things in a real different way. Um, so I'm hoping for a beginning of a great healing. This great healing, I believe that it's going to happen. And it's going to happen with stuff like this, with our people talking and being genuine and getting to know each other. And Kate was saying how she hopes to see some learning materials come out of this. I absolutely agree. And I hope that it becomes mandated in our schools to learn it, our tribal school and in the state schools, because this is historic. This has changed the mindset. You know, I was in a focus group the other day with um, um, Gail Dana, and she was talking about how our language, we can express things and, and do things in our language that it's different when you use the English word. And, and people, you know, in Maine and America, are they're professionals with that language already. And we've just starting to finally come into terms with your language and understand it and use it and be smart with it, you know? So, um, there's a lot for people to understand. And so I'm I'm hoping this is going to help bring a greater understanding, but I, I really want people to hear it. And so I'm with Kate, let's get it out there and let's get people listening to it and, and do it well. Thank uh-huh. you. Sir. <laughs> you are listening to John Land Signals on WERU-FM. I am your co-host Esther Ann, along with co-host Maria Gerard. John Land Signals is a monthly talk show where we hold space for critical conversations of truth, healing, and change. Today, we are talking about Beyond the Claims, a Wabanaki Reach truth-telling project with Kate Russell, Wabanaki Reach uh, project coordinator, and Stephanie Bailey of the Passapawnee Tribe in Madoc, Migok. And you were going to say something, Maria? I think I talked over you. Um, I was just going to, you know, some of the things that Stephanie's saying, I was just going to um, echo those, you know, when she was saying we need to be heard. And that topic comes up a lot and has come up a lot in Wabanaki Reach's work and also with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. As a matter of fact, uh, Stephanie and I both worked as, um, as Wabanaki community organizers for the TRC process. And I was in my home community at Penobscot Nation, and Stephanie was uh, working in her home community at Madoknigook. Um, but I remember when, after you know, years of the TRC doing their research and doing their work and drafting their report, and when they came back to the community to share their findings and to share their report 
with the people before it became, you know, the official report. They wanted to share it first within the tribal communities. So um, we were getting, you know, the first ears and eyes on, on their report and their findings. And I can remember so clearly sitting in that uh, conference room and we're all kind of packed in there and, you know, all the different people who are working on it and uh, tribal community members who, you know, really held up this project and participated in it and were listening to the report. And when they were done, there was this moment of just silence and nobody said anything for a long while. And then the first thing that was said, and it, and it almost like brought tears to my eyes at the time, but the first thing that anyone said after that silence was, thank you, I feel heard. And that's huge. And it also became, you know, this this topic around the Truth and Reconciliation Commission when we started talking about, well, what is reconciliation? Um, you know, and we got so hung up on reconciliation that we, you know, ended up dropping reconciliation from REACH's name. You know, REACH used to stand for reconciliation, engagement, advocacy, change, healing. And then we removed the reconciliation because... Um, people were so quick to want to get to that. And, um, you know, the tribal folks seem to want people to just sit and I don't know, just to kind of sit in that knowledge for a while and not like have to rush through it and get to reconciliation. Like, okay, we're all good now. Right. (laughs) I don't know if that makes any sense, but, and I'm probably rambling, but this is just what, you know, was coming up for me as, as Stephanie was sharing. And, um, you know, I think one of the one of the areas that we haven't really talked about much in all of this is um, the role of ally support and building ally supports. And Stephanie, when you started talking about um, the concept of that rainbow nation, you know, it's that, you know, we're all in this together. And, um, you know, there's a lot of power in our togetherness and and um, if yeah. anything, uh, Reach has been doing really wonderful work around growing um, the ally support. And there's just a number, there's thousands of wonderful people throughout the state that really have worked hard to understand this history. You know, they get it and um, they're ready and willing to um, walk in a different way with us. Yeah, it was interesting to me through the Truth and Reconciliation Commission process around child welfare, how this notion of uh, shared history, people seem to be afraid of it. It's like, no, that's Wabanaki history. It's like, no, you were there too. <laughs> it's not yes. It's not like it happened in a vacuum. Like you happened to us. We didn't, these things just didn't happen to us on our own. So that, that idea of shared history really binds us to me, to me, binds us into a shared future, which is really where we need to be. Uh, As Maria always eloquently says, you know, we're writing our our grandchildren's history right now. And and who do we want to be? Who do we want to be now? And who do we want to be remembered as? Who are we as people? And I think that this all gets to that. So um, I'm just as usual, I'm, I'm watching the clock <laughs> uh, so that we don't go over, um, but I was amazed at how quickly time does pass. And we have about 10 more minutes together. Um, and so 
don't have any specific questions um, for anyone, but wanted to to give Kate and um, Stephanie a chance for any closing thoughts around around the conversation. Whoever wants to jump in first, feel free. I don't know if this is um, if. I have a question for Stephanie, and I don't know if it's something she can answer in just a few minutes, but um, I've been so curious about the way you use Stephanie. I know we all talk about decolonization a lot, and it it makes me think about language. um, And, you know, the reason why we called um, this project Beyond the Claims, Stories from the Land and the Heart, is because you know the Maine Indian Claim Settlement Act took land right out of the title, um, and I think it was our way of trying to to put it back. Um, and I'm just thinking, Stephanie, about the way you use the word indigenizing my mind. And I've heard you say decolonization before, but I often hear you choose to say indigenizing. And I'm just curious if you can say more about that and what that means. Um, so for me, because um, <clears throat> decolonization is just a term, if you, I don't know how much you follow, but um, <clears throat> people are wanting to turn more to indigenizing. And I get that because um, I guess when you break things down, when you, when people hear stuff like that, it can maybe cause fear also when the people like for us, it, for me, it sounds like an empowering term, you know, to break down what I've been taught that's not you know healthy for our our earth or or healthy for me as a person my mind and my body and my spirit and so um you know not all cultures were brought up the same as me so you know taking decolonizing breaking down all that they've known and been brought up you know non-tribal people may sound uh, terrifying or you know afraid or maybe they feel like we're we're trying to come at them in some negative kind of way when it's more about me so indigenizing makes it more personal for me to say I'm indigenizing my mind you know reclaiming my knowledge of the land of the trees of the plants of the flowers and the mushrooms i'm loving mushrooms i'm becoming an avid little mushroom hunter because i feel like that's something i can give back when when all things go bad and my community needs me i can be their community little mushroom gatherer for medicine or whatever so like that's the way i think i do things and i learn things so that i can be better for the collective for my people for the whole and not just for my people people because when you know one day things are, cannot continue the way they are our earth cannot sustain capitalism and capitalism isn't breaking down fast enough for people to um you know for the earth not to see a repercussion so when things get bad i want to be there for anybody for any human anybody i just want to give back so indigenizing my mind is going back to the old way of thinking you know before blood quantum before the 1980 land act like my mother's mind was indigenized she that's what she's seen she dreamed past maquati that's all she spoke you know that's what she thinks when you have conversations that's what would go in her mind first she had to understand it with our language and so I that's where I want to be 
You know, I want to be with, with what my mother even knew that, like I said, it ain't hundreds of years ago, like people think, you know, Esther's mother, even I don't know Maria's, but I'm sure hers too. But Esther's mother was just same way. You know, they have this knowledge. We don't, they, they seen things in a more indigenous way than we do even. And thank God, because the little things that our mothers have said to us have are allowing those seeds to grow now. So these seeds are, you know, my growth of indigenizing from my mother. So I'm becoming who I was meant to be. I love that description. Yeah. I was going to say, it's like, it's like trying to get rid of all these things to be who we were meant to be right. As uh, Wabanaki, um, as people and, and uh, yeah, that's beautiful stuff. And get me all choked up thinking about my mom. And when I think again with my uh, lens of a historian, um, and I think about how many decades and centuries of attempted assimilation that we were able to survive, to still have the knowledge that we have, uh, to still have our language and to still have our practices, you know, it really is um, a true testament to our resilience. You know, despite all those um, many, many years of attempted assimilation and, you know, when I think about those attempted assimilation efforts, you know, that really is, um, it's it's white um, superiority. It's thinking like you need to be more like us and less like you. So it, it goes really, really deep. And I love, I loved your description, Stephanie. And I so appreciate your passion. Um, before we run out of time, I just want the folks that are listening to um, know that they can go to Wabanaki Reach's website if they want more information about this truth-telling project called Beyond the Claims, Stories from the Land and the Heart. Um, we have a a page, the truth talent page that will have all the information there. Um, we, and you can also sign up for our listserv and get our monthly email blasts. Um, and we just started, uh, kicked off a fundraising campaign. You'll find information about that there as well. So we're like Kate said, it's just getting started. We, October is uh, the anniversary of the passage of the Claim Settlement Act. So we thought it was an appropriate time to, to launch our, um, project. And also uh, a growing resource list. Uh, so if people are interested in learning more about this topic of the Maine Indian land claims, uh, we do have a, a resource list on the truth telling page where you could um, learn a little bit more about the topic. So uh, any last uh, comments or, or thoughts? It has been so lovely to to spend my morning with you all. Thank you. Same for me. Thank you so much for having me. It was nice to spend my morning with you guys. It's nice to see see you faces, even though nobody can see us. I get to see people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, I got a face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yes, it's wonderful to spend time with you and um, I always say this is uh, one of my most favorite topics um, 
Maine Indian land claims, and I'm I'm so excited for the possibilities uh, that can grow from this this project. And and what a lovely name, Beyond the Claims: Stories from the Land and the Heart. I was really, I really love that name, Maria. I don't know how you and Kate uh, or who came up with it, but it, it's just, it's just beautiful and perfect and not half as long as the main Wabanaki State Child Welfare Truth and Reconciliation Commission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can't take credit for the, the name. That was Kate. Okay, well, it looks like um, we've exhausted our time together. So um, I'm going to begin to, to close the program. Uh, you have been listening to Don Land Signals on WERU-FM. Uh, thank you to the listeners for joining us here. Uh, thank you to our volunteer technician, Jeffrey Hodgkiss, for his ongoing assistance and support. Uh, big thanks to our guest, Kate Russell, uh, of uh, Project Coordinator of Wabanaki Reaches uh, Truth-Telling Project, Beyond the Claims, and big thanks to Kachiwiliwani, uh, Stephanie Bailey of uh, Madakniguk, the Passamaquoddy tribe at Madakniguk, and Story Collector for this project. Be sure to join us next month, November 18th, and every third Thursday of the month for Donland Signals and more conversations of truth healing and change and stay tuned for more great programming here on WERU-FM. Bye-bye. <laughs>